And welcome back to WTF and Vanadeal episode three with Spicy and uh, the Fox Danger. And today we are going to go into various exciting topics. But what are you having today, Fox? It's episode three. I have something special. What are you drinking? Oh, what am I drinking? I am drinking a cold glass of water so my voice doesn't give out. Oh, this is that is the exact celebration we need. That is the caliber right. we are at. Yeah, man. I almost cracked this thing up against my monitor. So I wish it a safe and pleasant voyage. No, I lost a lot of my voice uh, yelling at uh, this group that I was training for uh, for Omen. It's a thing that I talked about, I think, before on one of these. And um, we had an awful Koyu that, or Kyo, or however you spell it, um, where I actually had to make a meme as a vis- uh, visual representation of what had happened in order to effectively convey what occurred. Okay. It was awesome. So that's actually good because today uh, we're talking about ninja and misconceptions. So do you want right. to start off with misconceptions? Yeah, I think misconceptions is uh, easier to roll in on because uh, ninja is actually one of those. Well, I mean, everyone knows ninja is a big misconception. <laughs> right. So uh, looks like uh, looks like you want to want to start off on geo here. What are your experiences with uh, with most geos in the game? Uh, Geo sucks. <laughs> it's the best job. That's the worst job. Why do you think it's the worst job? Is it just that you don't like playing it, or I uh, my Geo is level seventy five or something? I don't know. I leveled my Geo up entirely through um, what is it? The uh, coalition assignments in Adeline, just because I could. I think my skills level ten. I have zero gear for it. I've never done a single thing with it ever. Oh, you're not going to ding 99 and instantly have your address? No, no, I think it's just 75. I'll have to 75. If it is 99, yeah. it's, you know. Yeah, it actually takes a special kind of player to actually want to play Geo. Um, I'm saying that because I'm one of those idiots. Um, but for some people, Geo is fun, and it's a lot more active than people like think it actually is. Well, that's because, you know, everyone goes, what's the first job I should get? And everyone goes, oh, well, Geo is really popular. You should do Geo. And it's like, no, that's... Exactly because it's popular is the reason you shouldn't do Geo. Because if you suck, and there's a million other people that might suck a little less than you, that's the wrong job to pick. I agree with that, too, um, to an extent. like I, I feel like Geo would be a really good first job if we could guarantee that players would actually like, research the job in advance and know what's expected of them outside of you can be replaced with a bot, which absolutely is not true. I mean... Ah, uh, if it's Chayula's uh, Geo, which, yes, if anyone is thinking that Chayula yells stupid stuff about having no family, no mask, no uh, kids, 99K. Yeah, if it's his Idris Geo, you'd be better off with a bot because he literally will put down frailty out of range and he'll tell him to move it and he just stands there and you literally have no bubble. So. Wow, that's exciting. I am so glad I didn't pick up stuff. Oh, no, he was in, he was in the link shell back in the day. It started off as a joke, but... Sometimes he actually played Gia. Feels like the operative word there was was. <laughs> but yeah, Geo um, is one of those jobs where the, the obvious misconception is that you can uh, go AFK and then, you know, go pick up the kids from daycare and uh, come back and watch some YouTube. And like maybe the event is done by then. Um, it, it's absolutely not true, though. 
Uh, geo is one of those jobs where if you put that bubble down, you've got to ensure a few things. Like you want to make sure your bubble doesn't explode. Um, and that's really important for like if you're ever asked to blaze a glory something. Uh, you also want to make sure that you don't explode because I don't know how many geos I've seen uh, that, that can't actually stand next to the content and prov- provide an indie debuff bubble because they'll just die the first time an AB goes off. And there's always the joke, uh, you know, oh, they only have three bubbles or whatever. That's all they need. And then you ask them to do something else. They don't have it, which does happen. But even people who are playing Geo to not have like frailty and fury, and that's the only thing they have, even if they're playing it, oftentimes, you know, they don't have the right idol set for the pet and themselves. And I mean, their skill isn't there, you know, Geo skill, not their actual skill, but I mean, just all those things are so common. You get a, you know, even if they have Idris, sometimes they don't put it on their gear swap or, or they don't even have cap skill and their bubbles not powerful. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I see a lot of people, um, especially, and and I, I, it seems like I pick on that other link show that I, I help a lot. But what I really want to come across with is they are a newer returning player link shell and i haven't said them by name on purpose so that nobody like wants to go hate on them or anything like that's not the point um but i know that uh, if i'm not on geo for example like they'll think that their 850 geo that can only do a range bubble is acceptable for some content and um a lot of the times especially when it's omen i'm just thankful for the fact that you can clear omen with six people and uh and that uh you know extra jobs like that geo are, are just you know nice things to have and not actually critical well, I mean, I'm glad I didn't know the name of that link shell because, you know, after hearing it took 39 minutes to do get your dog and body, which congratulations on, by the way. But what was that? All right. I don't know. It's not even worth going into. It was just I, 30 minutes for anything boss wise and omen sounds like an eternity to me. It absolutely is. Um, but but I mean, we, we want to talk about new players, right? And, you know, first jobs and stuff like that. Um, I don't actually have the expectation that a bunch of people rolling out with new jobs are going to be able to, you know, blow up a kin in less than 10 minutes. Um, I, I think that that's kind of unreasonable. Um, but what does drive me crazy and what did end up making that a longer fight, and I'm kind of like straying from the topic at hand, but uh, it, it's really just learning the mechanics. And I think that, that boils down to the same thing that we're talking about with Geo here. It's like you want to learn the mechanics of Geo in order to Geo properly. And I think learning is the big uh, caveat uh, that stops new players from taking a job that is subtly complex like Geo and actually running with it and gearing it properly. Yeah, I think the misconception there, and yeah, I was getting you off topic, so that's my fault. The misconception there was, okay, I posted on Reddit, which is always the best source for information. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I posted on Reddit. Everyone recommends Geo. Uh, I looked at what gear I should have on. Okay, I'll just do that. Game over. You know, and they don't actually, I mean, there's more to it than just looking at gear. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think one of the things that intimidates people with Geo is um, anyone who has actually done enough research to know what the entry level requirement gear is, is uh, a lot of the time seems more expensive, quote unquote, more expensive than um, a lot of the uh, later on stuff that you need. And I I think what what puts a lot of players off of it is the need for uh, that telchain set uh, fully augmented. Yeah, that and just having to upgrade everything. Geo's got a lot of pieces of gear or it should have a lot of pieces of gear. You know, that's why yeah. uh, when you and I talked about that change I made to the 119 about first jobs you should have, and I talked about not using Geo. I mean, picking Monk, you can gear Monk up really well. You can be infinitely more solid as that job in a role, and you can get rolling in and not sit there expecting to leech AFK with a bubble thinking you're worth the gear you're getting. 
Well, let's talk about some progression then. Um, there's a really good guide on uh, BG, and I'm not just trying to plug your works or anything, but there's no. a, a quick start guide, and it does actually uh, it, it does actually mention that that uh, that the, uh, the the player should set the ROE objectives and uh, go go through that whole beginner process to get like the the free vouchers for things. And one of those is to go through the entire skirmish line uh, in order to progress in that 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 ROE quest line. And um, in doing that, the Geo can actually can actually set themselves up for a lot of success further down the line than just getting those initial things. Um, basically, uh, the, the absolute best thing that a new Geo can do is partner up with a new Blue Mage. Um, and if they do that, they shouldn't have too much difficulty with that content. And the Blue Mage is going to benefit when you get to the Illuvian Skirmish for Yorshi Wield because they're going to learn all their AoE spells. And the Geo is going to benefit because, well, maybe the Geo isn't the best geared and maybe they're the ones who are going to operate the book. Um, you know, go ahead and, and research how that works. We're not going to go into how you know, Luvian skirmish works in Yorsha, but um, there's there's basically a process to it. And in helping that blue mage learn those spells, you can set up a system where maybe you're going to lock the Telching gear and the stones that drop because you need to get the, uh, the stuff that's going to help your bubbles out. And that's just kind of something I'm like spitballing off the fly. But uh, a lot of people think that you need to like spend a bunch of gill to make this stuff, and you actually don't. It's it's fairly easy to farm, and you just have to find the demographic that's going to help you farm it. The stones are actually really cheap now because people are getting them constantly through uh, Amon Trove. And, I mean, Adeline Dials have been a little more frequent than they have in the past. It feels like there's been more Adeline Dials this year. I know we have one coming up. Oh, yeah. It, it, there was just one like a couple months ago, too. So... Uh, and I, I, I mean, outside of blue learning spells there, uh, which isn't, if you're stopping to learn spells in that run, you're not really farming the run. I mean, it, it should be fine. I haven't done Alluvian in years at this point, so it should be fine to do both at the same time. But I would think not just blue, because it doesn't really wear the tail. I mean, there's a couple pieces you'll use temporarily, but most of it's not worth even grabbing or augmenting, honestly. But a John Blake Dragoon, which will always use that Breath Plus augment set, or Beastmaster at that point, or even Summoner. If it's a new Summoner and you're going through the motions of being a Summoner and not instantly dumping all your gill into Nirvana and just running right into Endgame, if you're oh, actually God. a new player playing Summoner, that uh, Helio set and everything is... I mean, that is a huge boost for Summoner compared to anything else that you're going to pick up right away. From what I understand, because I actually know quite a few Nirvana Summoners despite my group never using them... Um, uh, the uh, the Helios gear is actually still fairly competitive um, as far as like endgame gear goes. It is. It's been beaten. And if I think if I had to channel my inner fraud here, which I don't oh, know if anyone could channel their inner fraud, but I think the Helios head under a certain circumstance might be the best for something, you know, something like that. Um, but overall, yeah, which I think goes into, I think, a topic. And, you know, Claire had sent us some misconceptions she thought of. I thought of, you know, Geo being your first job is a good one. Is a mis good misconception to talk about. Going to Claire's here. Must buy Gil in order to get anything in the game. Oh, boy. Where do we start there? Uh, I mean, that we kind of have to address, like, a series of misconceptions to really talk about that one, though, right? I don't know. I think, you know, with how prevalent Merking is and if someone doesn't have that support system of a friend... I mean, it's very easy to fall into, hey, I can get what I'm, you know, because you, you hit roadblocks as a new player. I'm not geared up enough to do this story content, mission content. I mean, and that's a way past the roadblocks if you somehow manage to find the gill uh, somehow that, you know, and that that's very tempting to do. But a lot of people, I think, don't have to do that. Yeah, uh, as long as you join an LS, 
and you join an LS with like the mindset of making that LS better and not just looking out for yourself, you'd be surprised how that actually can trickle down amongst more than just that particular person in the LS. And uh, I can actually draw um, a contrast between my experiences in joining LOL Lockstyle and uh, and and our, my link shell, by the way, has many flaws. Um, it was very flawed. But uh, we are a very cohesive group of people, though. And I think one of the things that sets it apart from, like, let's say, the uh, the LS that I go out and help um, is that the the link shell, uh, LOL lock style, we actually look out for all the members within, in, in my opinion, almost too much so. But uh, the the group that I go and help, like that particular link shell, um, everyone there is always, you know, what's in it for me? Like they, they, they only care about themselves getting anything and they don't realize that in helping the rest of the group, you're actually helping everyone be, have the potential to get the gear. And uh, the way this actually ties into whether or not you need to buy Gil is, well, the main reason you buy Gil is to like pay Mercs to clear content or, you know, um, to, I guess, another extent, buy your Remas and stuff like that. But if you have a link shell that can clear content, you can actually clear a lot of content uh, without Remas. And not to burst your bubble here, but level of lock style is the exception to the rule. I mean, when it comes to the leader of that link shell, if he, if he finds you botting or, or something like that, he's kicking you from the shell. And a lot of shells, if they see you botting, they just don't kick you out of oh, the whole yeah. group. Or if they know you buy Gil, they don't kick you out of the whole group. And most shells don't look... I mean, that's a lot of work that uh, they put into people there. So, I mean, I don't oh, yeah. think that's the norm. As someone who doesn't have a link shell, uh, I picked one up recently out of the uh, out of the NPC, link shell NPC. Just because the name AOE the toilet is like a great name to me. <laughs> that's pretty great. So, yeah. And and that's one I mean, that's just a social shell. I think most link shells people run into that are new are gonna be social shells. And yeah, even if that mindset's not prevalent there, generally there's nothing maybe someone will help you. I mean, maybe you'll team up, maybe you'll make friends, and that's the first start because you know, honestly, if you have a couple friends, just leave that link shell, make your own, and if you're gonna put the work into it, you can have something functional. There's tons of people that want to come in, but the problem is separating out those those gear whores from the actual players. And that's, I mean, that's probably the problem for a lot of people. And they're also the ones that generally treat this game like a race, too. Um, I think I, I personally got a lot of enjoyment out of playing this game slower and, you know, more deliberately and learning content and stuff. That I mean, that could be just that I'm basically a scientist anyway, right? Like, I always want to learn the process. But uh, when it comes to a lot of people, like those people who are the gear whores are usually the ones that, that want to buy that kill and, and want to just immediately have the Rima and not understand what sets actually support the Rima, etc. Um, you, But to get to the point, though, um, you don't actually need everything that the shouts would make you think you need. Um, the Zura shouts are absolute toxic. And uh, you they? can clear it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, th I think you know better than me. But eh. like seeing the same shit every day where it's like R15 this and, you know, um, uh, four song barred that like a lot of people think that you need that stuff to clear things. And that is like probably the biggest misconception of all, like, and that perpetuates itself. Uh, the, the moment the link shell gets together and decides, Hey, you know, we're just going to attempt this content. We're going to learn this content and learn our characters and, and how to gear ourselves. Um, they're going to realize that this is not, difficult you know you don't need a, a fleet of nirvana summoners to make this work um, you don't need to pay someone um, who probably paid someone else to get the gear they have to slaughter this content for you you can actually just band together and do it like the pioneers did when it first came out uh, they used to drive these babies for miles 
But uh, no, the point is, you know, there's well, not the point. I think the the problem is that there's often a lot of dead weight that comes along with it, good intentions and all, but that's usually a problem. But I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say that shouts are toxic because they're yelling for R15s, just like before R15, R15s existed, they were yelling for Rima weapons or Rima weapons, whatever. Uh, and they ha- you didn't even need them for... People were shouting for Rima weapons for an ambuscade before R15s existed, you know. That's not toxic. That's just... They don't... The misconception is that they need that because they're compensating for their lack of knowledge about what they're doing or their lack of trust in anyone they invite to the group or this or that because, you know, sometimes these people that yell are honestly carried by the people they invite too. That's another story. But yeah, they, you don't need to have the best to do this. If you're a dragoon and you have um, a shining one, you're going to do just fine, especially in a lot of ambuscades where that generally based on the low amount of buffs or the gimmicks and the content, that'll be right up there. Sometimes if it's a certain month, even beating everything else, if you have a Nagling on Blue Mage, you're going to be doing better than, you know, even just the Kaja Sword. I mean, if you have yeah. an ambuscade weapon, which is very easy to get, you are leaps and bounds now ahead of where a player without that weapon would have been a couple of years ago. So, I mean, it doesn't take special weapons. It takes people being prepared, knowing what they need to do. And I mean, all the gear comes later. I made my R15 to zone without buying anything. I mean, I just went and got to Detritus. Not that, you know, most of it came from... Uh, divergence before they add it to Omen, but I just go and take my Thief into Omen for 30 minutes, and then I'm done. I'll do another day, and you know that'll get me enough to trade us over time. I'm not doing anything else. There's no race. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, the difference between, like, an, an R0 and an R15, like, I don't personally have a Tizona. I actually wish I was working on that right now, because it seems fun. Um, but uh, the, the weapon that I generally point at as far as, like, not the biggest difference between R0 and R15 is actually the God Hands. Um, in uh, in Dynamis, in, like, Wave 1 and Wave 2, um, a monk can definitely one-shot the mobs, and uh, and I, as a monk, have done that, and I have an R1 God Hands. Like, it, it, it doesn't require what people think it requires in order to do it. You just have to know the mechanics of the weapon skill and gear for that weapon skill appropriately. And, of course, have the right buffs. Yeah, the dagger comes to mind as well. Uh, Aeonic dagger, uh, Aeonis, yeah. or whatever it is. That's already, without augmenting anything, R, everything R0, that's the best dagger you're going to use. Uh, once you start augmenting up, it becomes a different story. Things are more competitive and this and that. But, honestly, you don't get, what do you get, like 6 damage and 30 accuracy or something? That's it. I mean, that's not changing anything with Aeonis. And it's still a really good dagger. Going R15 on something that's already really good. You know, some weapons, it changes a lot for different reasons, but most of the time it's it's kind of just a trophy piece. Yeah, in fact, like, as far as, like, the 30 accuracy argument goes, too, because, like, some people will say those extra stats do matter. On a lot of content, you're probably already capping accuracy anyway, and I think the only real beneficial content that's gonna matter is versus, like, Thief NMs in Wave 3, um, where that extra accuracy actually does something for your uh, your accuracy. And yeah, and again, on Thief with, uh, you know, we mentioned Wave 3, uh, even if you have uh, the Aeonic Dagger, if you are underbuffed, say say you happen to be in a run with people named Danger, and you happen to be in a party <laughs> with a Corsair, and that Corsair happens to only be using Salmon Tacticians, and you're not getting any real attack buffs, and you're very starved on your thief, and you happen to be me. And, uh, you know, at that point, pulling out the Tare or Tarret, 
um, Foil the Tar Ray is going to be the best option you have because you're so under buff that it doesn't matter what you have. You can have Twashtar 15. It's not going to matter. You're, you're, you're doing, you know, if you're doing 5, 6k Rudras on stack, then you're going to be doing better with Evisceration at that point via the right gear. Yeah, the direct raise to your damage for hitting the, the whole crit thing. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be that thing that compensates. And, and yeah, there are, there are a lot of battles that I lose. Um, even, even, you know, situations where I say that like my link shield does really well. Um, there are some things that even we still struggle with and that's understanding buffs properly. And, you know, sometimes we don't listen to Fox, who is like the primary buffer for the link shell and, you know, math guy. Oh, I was so happy to have tacticians so I could keep doing crap damage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just do it really frequently, right? Barely. Uh, speaking of, um, I, I was actually mentioning a story, uh, <laughs> a ridiculous story, by the way, uh, before we, we decided to do this podcast, I was talking to Spicy a bit, and uh, I actually have a, a story from when I was a, a Wee Dragoon. I had just come back to the game after a very long break, and I'd probably been back in the game for about four months, and I actually uh, won a parse in Dynamis Juno on my Dragoon, <laughs> and everyone, the entire run, thought I had a Trishula. And to come to find out at the end of that run, after I won the parse, and we killed the Wave 2 boss, um, I actually had a, a Gate Air plus one. And this is before you could even augment it. Like, this is, this is when we were, we were first trying to attempt those clears and stuff. So, you know, we were even a new and returning link shell at one point. Um, but it just goes to show, like, you'd be surprised what, uh, what you can actually get away with when it comes to, you know, whether or not you actually need an R15 weapon to kill this content. I don't even have Gaderic in uh, the fucking Dragoon Guide, okay? That's how... I, if it wasn't for me working on BG, I wouldn't have even known off the top of my head that that's from the uh, the Wyvern in Ifrit's Cauldron. Because I, yeah. I did that page for that, so I remember that. I'm like, oh, that's that weapon from the infamous weapon back in the day. I mean, that weapon, when you use it for divergence, was so far behind, not even Trishula, but other weapons. I mean... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it was extremely behind. And I mean, we were all pretty much extremely behind. But what we did have going for us is we did have the proper buffs. We had our, our four song guards and we had our Idris Geo. And, you know, we may, and as, as the person who was like one of the, well, who was the person who won the parse, you know, um, I was making sure that I was playing appropriately. Like, uh, one of the tips to play better, follow your fucking Geo, you know, um, make sure that, uh, uh, you're attacking the things that are actually debuffed, and then you won't run into that problem. You know, use Angon appropriately on Dragoon. You want to get the defense down to those NMs because they're higher level than the rest of the stuff around you. You know, stuff that seems common sense, but like a new player needs to pick that up as they go. Well, I mean, I know you're a, a grease monkey. You're into the mechanics so deep, and I mean, I understand not as many you know in depth mechanics as you understand them because you're also a math person, while I am not. Uh, but it takes a while to understand the mechanics. We can make an entire episode on understanding mechanics and, you know, why I was so attack starved wishing I had Vajra. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that right now so I could do Mandalic with an R15 Vajra, you know. The oh, boy. <laughs> well, it would have been the best thing I could have used in a situation. I'm doing nothing. I'm doing... Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm doing 12K evisceration or like 8 to 5K, you know, Rutras. It's terrible. Uh, but I think, you know... It's easy to get lost in the weeds there, especially as a, a newer player or less experienced. Even if you have all the gear, a lot of these people, like, uh, I'm not going to name drop, but certain people uh, that shout for Ambuscade to sell, if you've played with them outside of that, they don't actually understand the mechanics. They're selling runs, and they don't actually 
they'll lose the parses. They don't care. They're selling the runs, but they don't understand how to adapt the situation in the field and actually be effective. They just kind of keep hammering away doing the same thing. And that's the misconception, I guess. You can just gear your character up and that's all you got to do. Okay, I have the best gear, therefore I'll have the best performance. No, you have to know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, and, and that extends to, you know, if, if, if the, for those players that they gear that player, that character up, a lot of times they'll also only gear like a weapon skill set or ATP set and like they'll completely neglect like magic evasion uh, any any form of DT which we've talked about on these before um, and then like other weapon skills even like a lot of them just treat every weapon skill as though you're just a samurai where like they all just need strength and attack you know okay we're going to name drop this time because it's a different name the person I was thinking about okay talk about only having one thing geared up and this you'll, you'll like this if you're hip to the basic street lingo uh, oh, I'm so hit. Ramstadt. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. God, I remember I had invited him to an ambuscade once because I'm like, fine, Ron, you can just come. I need someone to fill the DD slot. Just just come, Ron. I know you'll have you have some gear. I know it'll be okay. And um, I was doing something to skill chain, and he was just doing resolution. And um, I go, hey, could you use Tor Cleaver so we can actually skill chain? And he goes, oh, I only have a reso set. I don't have Tor Cleaver set. On Dark Knight with uh with freaking i don't even know what he's using but he should have been using torque cleaver and he goes oh, i'm not that set oh but it's funny because it's wrong shot well yeah 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 i i'm 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 aware of him i think i've done only one thing ever with him and it was on accident and very brief um Consider but I, I, I know i know the things that surround him that's for sure but uh, yeah, there, there's actually a lot, a lot of players who are like that. Like they don't realize that um, every weapon skill has like different kinds of mods to use and stuff. And and I've said before that I don't ever expect anyone to break it down and understand how that math works or anything. But I, I think people at least need to to give the old college try of at least trying to figure out that you know there is a different set. Maybe I should uh, I should look at the guide, try to find out what the guide's telling you, and then try to find out if you know, the scenarios apply eventually. And I think that's like the advanced end of it, you know, through the progression is you start out with the guides. Yeah. You start to get a feel for what you can do with the job. You start to maybe notice some changes between some stuff. You know, you hit your job puberty, if you will. Uh, and then you get into like job adulthood when you realize that you can start taking, you know, what's in those guides and start applying them to more scenarios than just a spreadsheet maximum. Yeah. But a lot of times uh, I think there's a little too much emphasis and faith being put in the guides here. A lot of times the guides are outdated. Yes. I know the few that I do, I do include, you know, uh, attack cap sets. I don't want to say PIDF like an idiot, you know, because everyone can say PIDF and they don't know, you know, people listen yeah. to that that don't know. There's no reason. Anyway, um, you know, I do include those sets because most of the time that's easy. There is a line between those two and my sets aren't perfect. I mean, I'm not a math guy. I use what I got and ask questions if I need to and try to use whatever sense I have from playing for 14 freaking years. But... Uh, the guides, I mean, the only guide that I think I've even touched that I try to go into certain mechanics and why things work that way is the blue one. And I haven't, that needs to be updated. Don't even look at any more people. Stop sending me messages about the blue guide. It, it needs to be updated. Um, but I actually go into the things in there about, you know, it, it's, you have to change what you do because of how certain buffs are on or debuffs or mechanics. It's not just look at the sets. Okay. Use those sets. There's a time to use those sets. You have to be watching your accuracy. You have to be, you know, seeing what the buffs are on. And, you know, there's, you know, a lot of emphasis is put on 
something like Tazona offhand Magi and TP bonus. Thief and Dance are also the same issue, but Blue is much more clear-cut in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that can be the best damage in the game. And when you go read the forums for some insight, everyone's talking about, oh, it's the best damage you're ever going to do. Nothing's close. Da, da, da. You have to build this. And that may be true some of the times, but there's plenty of times with Tazona, Almace offhand, where using light skill chains and CDC, that is going to be the better result for damage overall than just spamming uh, Expiation R15 to Zona and doing like 50, 60 plus K weapon skills. If you're doing a 30, 40 K CDC and you're actually making, because you get skill chain bonuses as a, as a blue mage and so do other jobs that might be there, you can be doing better skill chain damage without having to even save as much TP. And I mean, it's 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 not a clear cut use one thing. And a lot of times the guys in forums mislead people because you get certain voices that get certain ways and you know and there's not really always the best group of people breaking down the math or even talking about the math or just kind of getting through it which i'll let you take over there because i'm sure you know what i'm talking about yes and it's not about just being a math nerd about it it's about interpreting the data properly and i think that's what a lot of people miss um i have absolute faith that those spreadsheets calculate things correctly the issue is, is uh, what you're saying is applying the situation to what those spreadsheets are showing you. And that's, uh, that's where I'm going to use an example that I run to constantly because I, I play geo a lot, um, a, a huge amount of the time. I have an interest geo. So you know that, uh, you know, what my bubbles on is actually going to be affected, um, in a meaningful way. Um, when it comes to like, I'll just use frailty as an example. So, uh, I'll use the run from last night. Uh, we are in uh, Dynamis Divergence, and uh, we're in Wave 2. We are absolutely mopping Wave 2 up. And uh, there are a lot of situations where I'll put down the frailty bubble where the most mobs are to try to, like, tell the DDs where to start converging, you know, to start killing stuff. And every once in a while, a DD is going to get, you know, going to wander away from the pack, and they're going to be like, well, I'm just going to kill this stuff. I'm not paying attention. I'm just kind of zoning out and hitting the weapon skill button. And and that, that happens, right? That's me. But, uh, yeah, right. But the, the, the issue with that, though, is you're not receiving the bonuses from frailty when that's going on. And uh, that's where the, the, the PDIF or a ca attack cap is not really coming in. And you may have the buffs from your bard. Um, you may have gotten like so lucky when it comes to my group and you actually gotten chaos roll, which we're starting to actually enforce more now. Um, but they are still likely not attack capped on that stuff. So that's where you, you want to do what Spicy was talking about. And, and uh, you want to make sure that you're switching into your attack cap set uh, where you have or not your attack uncap set, I guess is the better way of phrasing that, where you're going to actually um, have more attack in your gear and you're going to get uh, better multipliers from that part of the formula. Um if you just do what the spreadsheets say, wear this maximum at all times because you plugged into the spreadsheet that you have uh, geo frailty, you know whether or not it's bolstered or uh, or blades of glory uh, bogged, um, and just assume that all the time, you're going to see your damage just absolutely plummet on the mobs that aren't tagged, and that geo bubble can't be everywhere at all times. Um, even even geos like me, where I see there's not a lot of magic damage going on. Sometimes I'll actually put an indie frailty on myself and I'll leave my geo frailty with the rest of the mobs just to make sure that all the DDs have as much debuff or as much uh, debuff on those mobs as possible. But it's not optimal, you know, because then I could also be giving out like torpor or haste if absolutely necessary, but usually not. Or um, even something like Vex, where like if you're not getting stunned, that's going to raise DPS. You know, there's a lot of situations where those, uh, 
where those spreadsheets don't take that sort of stuff into account because no event is perfect and no one's going to be able to round things up perfectly every time. Like that's just wishful thinking. Okay. And, um, you know, I know you're, you're really good at everything you do, not to cradle your balls there or anything, but when it comes to being a grease monkey, which I'm going to keep using because it's stupid. Um, when you said you believe the spreadsheets are entirely accurate, I, I went, Ooh, because I'm like, Ooh, he just lost a lot of people when he said that. And you're not wrong, and you're definitely not right. Um, yeah. And that's what happens in the forums, too. Uh, people modify. A lot of the spreadsheets have not been updated by a competent person cohesively in years and years and years, if at all. Um, so a lot of the times people post all these different spreadsheets of different results they got, and it's all modifications they've made or things they've messed up or this or that. And there's a lot of ways you can go wrong and not even realize you had the wrong gear here in the spreadsheet and interpret something completely wrong. Um, but a simulator, uh, is probably, and that's another problem is no one's putting one out besides All-Star and she doesn't really want to do it, but wants them to be talked about as the best. I think a simulator is the best thing to use. They're not out there like the spreadsheet is, so everyone has to use the spreadsheet, but the spreadsheet sometimes overvalues entire things, doesn't often reflect things appropriately. You have to keep adjusting the spreadsheet in different ways to try and keep looking at results where you get to actually interpret because you can't just put in your gear and the situation and the assumed stats or this or that i mean you're not going to get the right you'll get an answer that'll work but you're not going to get the entire right answer well yeah and i i think that's where i just didn't use particular enough speech for it um i as far as the spreadsheets go if the actual equation is correct then it's going to be as accurate as it's going to be i should say i can but tell yes, you my thief one doesn't have correct equations yeah, so I mean, as long as the the equation is actually correct, and like a lot of the times, if you can if you can duplicate that under situations, like if you can guarantee that during your testing you're getting all the right debuffs and stuff, and you're plugging in exactly what the spreadsheet tells you, and it gives you the right number, then or at least are the right number range, um, then you can at least be somewhat certain that that's correct. But it's it's not it's like you said it's not gospel like it's not it's not going to be something where you know, it's going to be every single time, which which kind of goes against what I just said. But I, I suppose it, it again just was because I was already kind of in like a long winded rant, and I really didn't want to go into like verbal particulars of how inaccurate the spreadsheet may be, depending on which spreadsheet you use. And yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, and as I said, my thief one isn't accurate. So anyone who I read people saying how good the thief one is, or to read this, or it's not, it's not gospel. I'm. I'm trying to make sets that I think make the most sense and they're based off of a flawed spreadsheet. So it, it can help. But yeah. Yeah. It's not going to apply all the time. Anyway, do you want to get into uh, my nice Holocaust joke point? For anyone who doesn't know, we kind of just talk about whatever, but we have a few points to try and somewhat keep the thing going and flowing. And uh, what is this one, Fox? Oh, it's my biggest pet peeve in the entire game. So uh, we're going to talk about some ninja stuff, and uh, ninja is almost almost a freaking meme at this point. Like people just think ninja is like the worst job in the game, and that it needs all of this help. Um, but the, the the problem with with saying that and actually getting it implemented is it, ninja is a hair away from being the most broken job in the game. Uh, ninja is quite commonly the job you go to to break mechanics in half when you don't want to deal with it anymore. 
And honestly, I never see anyone yell for Ninja or frankly even talk about Ninja outside of saying Ninja is a subpar DD. Uh, I wouldn't use Ninja to tank because I take Paladin or Rune, things like that. It's almost, I would have to say next to Black Mage, uh, which is just due to how the game is played out, uh, is the like most undervalued, underutilized job. Yeah, and oh yeah, Black Mage is something that that I personally wish they would fix, but I'm not here to really talk about Black Mage. Uh, True, Black Mage is actually and, broken. Yeah, and it's, Ninja's it's not. Up. Ninja's broken in a good way. Black Mage is broken in a bad way. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it kind of approaches that whole: can players understand what situational is? Um, and that's not to say that Ninja is situational. It actually shines in all settings. Um, you just have to do it right, and I think that has to do with a lot of the. Um, the information that gets out there regarding people who play ninja and what their stances on and stuff. Like I'm not going to call anybody out, but I definitely do not agree with the, uh, the opinions of some of the pros out there. And I am an actual, uh, I am an actual ninja. Like uh, when we need to do stuff and we need to get it done and there's like, and basically there's like some sort of like room for things going wrong. Um, typically I will be there on ninja to make sure that for lack of a better word, that the, 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 the event gets carried in a way. I mean, it's um, not about calling people out either. I mean, a lot of people put a lot of faith in certain... People put faith in me. I have no idea why. Uh, but a lot of people put faith in certain people that they see and they take what they say. And the people provide good information, but we have nothing yeah, against someone absolutely. like Rua. So it, it's not like we're calling Rua out if you don't like the video he made. There's certain reasons. It's not like the whole video is bad. There's certain things that stick with you that obviously you're going to address here. So it's not like, you know, people need to know hey, you saw that video, that's a good basis, but there's a <laughs> lot more to Ninja than just what Rue was talking about, and not everything that's portrayed there is entirely correct if you, you know, put the right finesse to the, to the job here. And this probably applies to Ninja, the finesse, more than most other jobs. I mean, Blue Mage and stuff has finesse, but I mean, Ninja requires a lot of, as far as I'm understanding for you before we even get into it, I mean, just a lot of understanding. Yeah, let, let me nip that right now. Like, uh, I actually agree with almost all the points in that tanking video. Um, I just don't agree with a one particular expert in there who I don't actually feel is an expert in the job they play. Oh, you're talking about that? Um, I wasn't saying anything bad about Rua's videos or anything. I was just, yeah. I didn't know you're talking about, I don't know that expert is. I didn't watch the video. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but there's one particular expert on there that I don't think is actually an expert. But uh, it, it, so, so to get back to Ninja, though, and what Ninja can do, um, I'm not even going to talk about tanking just yet. Uh, ninja, like one of the main things people look at for Ninja is, hey, I see a DD here that has some defensive qualities, but it doesn't seem to excel at either thing. When in all secrecy, it actually does excel at either thing. And uh, you want to look at a, at a couple situations on Ninja where you want to approach content differently based on what your setup is and what the content is. So I'm just going to lump it into categories. I'm not necessarily going to say where it applies. Um, but what I will say is that in a generic situation where you can't exploit a mechanic to do more damage, a Savage Blade Ninja is one of the most ridiculous DPS in the game. And the reason for that is you can actually wield the offhand uh, TP bonus katana and a Nagling at the same time, and you still will retain a very decent hit rate because uh, a hit rate and uh, and accuracy and everything, because you still have access to, to really good traits like Dakin, which is akin to like kick attacks on a monk, and uh, you have access to like malignance, which is not uh, which is not it's absurd to actually TP in. 
yeah, it has a ton of accuracy, you know, a lot of store TP. You are missing out on, on multi-attack, but at the end of the day, you have a lot of hits with Ninja, and you don't have to wear the full set. Like, you can actually hybridize it with Kendetsuba. And the job really benefits from using a set like even Kendetsuba, because the downside of Kendetsuba is it has no PDT on it. It, so is, if it doesn't want accuracy you, in Kendetsuba as well, right? It absolutely does. It has a, it has a metric ton of uh, accuracy, and uh, it also has triple attack and crit rate. Uh, crit rate too is a lesser extent because white damage isn't anything that's really spectacular in any job outside of like maybe Verithrakal monks and like Kalid Darks that sort of thing. And twash thief, but um, and, and Twash and thief dragoon with um, Rongima as well. Oh, dragoon! I don't want to get sidetracked. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, uh, so so one of the things you're looking at here is you actually get to offset on ninja um, the parts that make that gear somewhat less desirable. Uh, so, like, you're looking at your Kenditsuba, if you might wear, like, the mix of Mulligans and Kenditsuba, where you can retain a, a decent multi-attack rate, still get all the defensive qualities, and still get the accuracy qualities, you now have a job that uh, that can actually maintain a decent hit rate, uh, an accuracy rate, with the offhand katana, uh, of not even being item level, the TP bonus one, <clears throat> without really needing too much special favors uh, from your buffers or anything. Um, I, when I take Ninja to Divergence, um, I offhand that uh, that TP bonus katana, uh, like a lot of DDs, I'll struggle on like thief and ends, like the thief bolty mobs. Uh, but on anything else, like I am just savage blading like pro, and, and like these savage blades are doing like 50k plus damage. So you know it may not be nines, and I'll talk about nines later. Uh, but it's still very good considering the rate at which a ninja is weapons go. And on top of that, you have all the defense of your shadows on top of that. Yeah, you can do it with Reckless Abandon. If that mob turns to you, you have Migawari to save you from all but like multi-hit weapon skills. Um, you have seven shadows at the very least. Uh, or I guess at the most, but I mean, you can just cont- continuously reapply them. Like, it's not a, it's not any kind of real issue. Um, you have Eminity Control with, uh, with Inan that actually, you know, raises your, your crit rate damage and even so your magic low. burst potential. Yeah, subtle blow. Um, you're actually capping that very easily, especially if you are wearing Kenitsu. Your delight um, is going to be right. Well, let me let me amend that though. Um, Ninja. One of the things that they could add to Ninja is more subtle blow too, because I find that subtle blow too is one of those things that the the job doesn't get a lot of, and it can be a detriment with how fast they attack and not being able to cap that value without, like, let's say a Fudo that's on, I think it's like, it's it's either path A or B, but you're, you're not going to get that without that one. It's path B for all yeah. Um, I, I don't too, even have a Fudo. A summoner would have fix that as well. And they wouldn't fix it all in one go, but it would also, you know, with that weapon in a summoner, you'd be, you know, right there. Yeah, use Siren, absolutely. Um, I was so excited when I saw that that's what that, uh, what that avatar did. But but like like we're talking about, though, there, there are ways to, to fix these problems. Right. And um, and wh- everything that I'm saying is stuff that I've actually done in in practice. Like, I actually don't care if people pick up ninja and, you know, do all these things. Like, I'm not trying to say that my ninja is better than your massa Sam or anything like that. What I'm saying is, is that the ninja is going to be competitive regardless. And it gives you more utility and control to the to the actual encounter itself. Um, that, that ninja is a lot hardier than all of your other DDs are except maybe your tanks, unless the ninja is particularly set up to tank, in which point the, the ninja is absolutely, it just absolutely breaks content in half. 
that's a similar argument to Blue Mage and Divergence as well with the same setup. You would be doing competitive damage to a ninja right there, but I don't know if you could say naggling on a ninja is a fix when katanas themselves, you have to switch the weapon on. I mean, it's it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's how this game works, and that's what's great about this game is that you can put a sword on a ninja and do Savage Blade and bypass any katana limitations you may have due to how that you know the mechanics of the katana work out. Yeah, and and the the katana is actually the uh, the the square peg to that round hole that a lot of the community approaches. So uh, a lot of people think that the the R fifteen Heishi is going to be like the best weapon that you can use, and there are, there are a lot of like vacuum arguments where that could be the case. Um, I I do use Heishi. Heishi is a very good I weapon. I don't play ninja, so I need to have Heishi explained to me. Okay, so the uh, Heishi Shinroken is uh, the Aeonic uh, katana. Okay. It comes with the standard uh, Aeonic fare. Yeah, there's nothing really special about it. In fact, Blade Shun is probably medium at best when it comes to weapon skills. Um, if you're really using, hot, Heishi, yeah, it, it basically, if you're using Heishi, you're just emulating what you could do with Savage Blade with Blade Ten, or you're going to talk about a different build that I'll, that I'm going to get to in a second. But it does pain me that the the best physical damage option is enabling because I'm on Ninja to do really cool looking Ninja weapon skills and you don't really get to do those. So if SE wanted to tweak the the katana weapon skills, I would be on board with that. But I don't think that that's necessary as long as the the Ninja's properly geared to use that angle. So it's not that Ninja's bad; it's that there's enough modern. Because I mean, well, before Nagling, what would you have done? But I mean, there's enough workarounds now that. Nin- well, I mean, is that even comparable? It has better accuracy. It has better accuracy. Yeah, but if you're not having accuracy problems with the thief already, what does the accuracy matter? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, The accuracy does not matter at that point. So it's not. But what the Heishi does do, what what the Heishi does do, though, is it is Ninja's actual highest DPS level. And that is when we're going to talk about doing nines on Ninja. um, Because. Uh, Ninja, uh, like Samurai, has access to some of the most ridiculous hybrid weapon skills in the game. The uh, the Heishi, um, the Heishi lets you. It, it's, it's basically the the best option for landing physical damage while still retaining enough magic side of things in order to make your uh, the, the the equation for hybrid weapon skill actually work. Um, I I want to go ahead and plug this guy that's on YouTube. He's called uh, FFXI Math. Um, people should absolutely look it up. He doesn't have many videos, and it is some super dry content. But this guy gets major kudos for some of the ridiculous things he's done regarding the mechanics of the game and the way he covers how hybrid weapon skills actually work, especially pertaining to ninja. Um, this is stuff that we've been doing for a while, and people do know that 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 like say Blade Chi, for example, can hit ridiculous numbers. But there's usually a lot of debate as to what the best set is for that because there's all these other factors that are like floating around to make it work. Um, if you can exploit the mechanics of the content you're fighting appropriately, the ninja is going to do as much damage as like your true flight dudes. Um, you're going to be doing nines across the board and your content's just going to explode. Now, in like wave one and wave two, that doesn't really matter because you only need like 50, 60k to kill a mob, so you're just padding the parse at that point. But I guess making sure that mobs die is, is pretty important. Um, but uh, again, here, the difference between using it and Savage Blade, which is more reliable, is you have to have uh, good conditions. I wouldn't even say perfect conditions, but you have to have good conditions to really exploit how the formula itself works. 
okay, so how do you exploit that? Since I'm sure everyone listening would want to know. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, the way that the hybrid weapon skills work is you have a physical component and a magical component, but they are not separate hits or anything. It's just one entire equation that gets multiplied together that makes things work. Um, so you have your, your physical component. It has really, really boring stats on it. It actually doesn't even match the weapon skill itself that you're using as far as how its stats work. Um, it's like a one FTP regular hit with all your offhand junk and multi-attacks and stuff. FTP doesn't transfer through it. It's just basically establishing the baseline for the damage that the rest of this calculation is going to do. Now, the magic side of things is where the damage starts to get exciting, and that's where all your normal magic damage formulas come in, like your FTP is multiplied with your your actual magic base damage, which is why Heishi's really good. Um, it has to it passes like your elemental resistance checks and stuff, and uh, when it comes to that, it also applies like magic attack bonus uh, multipliers and uh, and the situational modifiers like uh, dynamic statue color and stuff. And that's where um, that video is actually going to do a better job of explaining it to me because this is a really long-winded explanation already. But you take your base damage, and that base damage is going to get multiplied by these, these statues, like let's say in Juno. It's going to get multiplied by the, uh, the modifier for those statues, and it's going to become even higher. Um, and then when it's added to and used in the formula for the magic attack part of the calculation, it multiplies again with the with the statue eye color. So this can be this can be really beneficial in Juno, and it can actually be fairly beneficial in Bastok as long as you pull the right uh, elemental affinity color. But uh, with that being multiplied twice in the equation, you're you're getting a uh, a base damage uh, that that's being multiplied by all of the these straight percentages. Uh, that's much higher than than weapon skills usually get. Uh, case in point, if you look at most magic weapon skills, um, they usually start with like around like a 200 base damage for like the magic damage or whatever. Um, Blade Chi starts out over a thousand. And when that starts getting like multipliers stacked onto it along with your magic attack bonus, extra hits, um, your, 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 uh, your OBs, um, your, not your OBs, but your like Vodia Gorget, Vodia Bell. Um, that's where that damage really starts to take off. Um, and you do the ridiculous sums of damage that that, that weapon skill is capable of. Um, in fact, in the video, he's actually showing his ninja just dropping nines casually, because why not? Um, and this can be done in a lot of situations. Um, it requires a lot of buffs uh, and debuffs like uh, malaise and frailty and making sure you're attack capped and all of that good stuff. But uh, in his own, like, say, Juno, for example, you actually don't need quite as many of those buffs because of how many times your damage is being straight up multiplied. Okay, so if anyone doesn't know, Juno, blue eyes, means everything takes 50% plus damage and takes like nothing from AoE. Uh, and then that's for blue. Green is uh, a, a straight up plus 20% damage, but everything resists like any enfeebling status. And in Bastok... Uh, what is it? So blue it's eyes. Elemental affinities. Yeah, I know, I know it is. It's, it, but it's blue eyes. Um, the same thing that a Corsair goes after with Laden. Um, you know, you get that boost to you know the dark base, dark water, earth, ice, and uh, the reduction of almost most of the damage, if not you know, frame, it might as well be all the damage to uh, the opposing yeah. elements there, the light ones. So that synergizes with uh, Corsair as well, but. What you sound like is, uh, you know, Fox Nye, the science guy here, and your mad chalkboard, or I guess everyone uses a, a dry erase board now. 
I try um, to remember to breathe. I, you know, you sound like you're bored. You're talking about how it works, but what are the practical applications? What buffs do you need? What are the real targets? What are you dropping nines on? Do you want to go into that? or? Yeah, I can. Um, it's mostly uh, it's mostly what you're dropping nines on is the, the content where that can be exploited. And that can seem narrow. It's going to be like your divergence content. Um, you can you can still get very good numbers versus the neutral um, neutral stuff in Dynamics content, um, and this is like your Wave Three boss. Uh, this is your Red Eye statue stuff like that. Um, if you're getting like uh, the the uh, the Fury Frail, not even uh, Fury, but if you're getting like Frailty, you know your your standard attack Bard songs. If you're getting Chaos Roll, um, you're getting the most out of the base damage part of that equation where you're doing the physical portion, and then having that be nice and high and getting multiplied by the magic attack uh, multipliers. Um, that's what's going to really push it over the push it over the edge. Um, so it, even if you're not getting like the the double dipping of the uh, the blue eye stats in a zone like Juno, you are still going to get a very high number versus the neutral targets who aren't really doing anything to resist what you're doing anyway. Would you know um, if that number is going to be better than just going straight up Savage Blade because you're already getting physical buffs yep. at that point? Yeah, I sure do. Um, I can use the comparison based on my own experience doing it. Um, uh, versus NMs in there, uh, I'll usually hit like 45k Savage Blades. Um, I'll hit 60k plus Blade Cheese. Okay, so in general, as long as you have full physical buffs and then the right gear set, which would be the most important part because the multiplier, you're going to be better off using Blade Chi as a ninja for everything. Almost everything, yeah. Well, yeah, not, um, not everything, you, you, but... You, you run into issues where you're going to get some variance without the, multi, the, the statue multiplier stuff. So like the eye color thing, you're going to run into issues if like, let's say you run into a rune fencer because they're going to have higher magic defense bonus than normal. Um, you're you're going to run into anything that, that may have put up bar stone because blade sheet, it, it does still have the downside of being stone elemental, but it also has the plus side of being stone elemental in that, you know, it, it gains benefits from, from having the, the day and everything match. Okay. Well, that's so. There's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, the 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 base thing though, and I'm not necessarily gonna like try to be a job guide for Ninja right now, but uh, you you generally want to lean towards magic attack bonus gear and weapon skill set, but you also don't want to ignore weapon skill damage. And uh, I like I personally like to throw a little dash of multi attack in there because it gives you that much more base damage in the physical portion of the weapon skill. So it's a bit like how you have to balance with a low on edge on Thief. Uh, it's not a straight yeah. up magic attack bonus, not straight weapon skill damage. There's diminishing returns from stacking one or the other, particularly in excess. So you have to kind of actually balance out in the middle as with all things in 11. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, so so I've, I've experienced that Ninja's pretty reliable. Um, it, it I will still tend to go on, like, Dragoon uh, to things, but that's only because... I shed hate easier on Dragoon. Like, I, I don't always want to deal with tanking on Ninja, um, even when I'm not supposed to be tanking. So I guess if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna talk about what I find the downsides of Ninja to be, is that if you're, if you're doing that much damage constantly, you eventually will tank, especially versus, like, say, the Wave 3 boss. Whereas a job like Dragoon, you're just gonna be able to shed that hate instead and still be able to, you know, go, go almost full throttle. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you were on Ninja with the proper, um, was it Pinterest Dirge or whatever for Emity Minus songs and then had Sub Dragoon, you should be able to, you know, ride that pretty well with those two things in tandem. On a Honestly, I would like to, to play Ninja Sub Dragoon. Uh, I 
I tend to not play Ninja Sub Dragoon um, because I actually don't like jumping away my very often and don't mind using Berserk situations where, you know, maybe buffs got dispelled or things like that. On um, layer 3 plus, you're not going to need the attack from Berserk. No, definitely not. I mean, it's also even just jumping, once you know you're going to hit that round of a, you know, whatever you're trying to TP at, once you know, it's just it's just gravy on the cake, so... Well, I guess we'll talk about some uh, some wave three boss stuff uh, because on ninja, while I can do this damage, that's actually not the primary reason that I'm brought to Dynamis as ninja. Um, the the main thing that that I do for my group in in that zone is make sure that uh, the wave two bosses get tanked effectively. Um, not necessarily the windurst one, though. Similar results will happen there, um, but particularly for uh, the the fear singer, which is the basslock one, and the uh, and Halfus, which is like the boogeyman for a lot of new groups. You know, um, I, I Ninja absolutely say, breaks it. I thought you were going to say it was going to be the elemental wheel. I thought you were going to say you go to kill the statues with the elemental wheel. Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, I, I actually uh, one-shot statues with Blade Eye. Ooh, that's fun. Um, but I yeah. guess now we're going to talk about ninja tanking. We're going to run over for sure, but it's good because now we talk about ninja tanking. Yeah, I, I mean, I've already gone in-depth about what Ninja's going to do for damage, and that should be self-explanatory as far as what Ninja's going to do for hate, um, Asterix. But uh, I'll use Halfus as the main example, but it applies to all of these Wave 2 NMs. Um, if your group is having a difficulty um, killing any of these Wave 2 NMs, bring a ninja that knows how to tank, which is rare. But if you can like even raise your ninja in your group to, to do this, uh, it makes the content infinitely easy. Um, the way Lockstyle has had the most, um, the most success with killing uh, the Wave 2 boss is I will go on ninja, and I will actually duo Halfus with a monk. Just me and a monk. And uh, the, the way this works is uh, Halfus does actual nothing to the ninja. It literally cannot kill the ninja as long as it maintains its buffs. And the fight itself takes anywhere between 5 and 10 minutes, depending on um, how Halfus wants to act, uh, whether or not the monk screws up, you know, that sort of thing. Because to air is human. Like, th there's always going to be a human factor of error in this. Um, but between Utsusemi and Migawari, um, Halfus actually can't touch a ninja, and Halfus actually can't hate reset a ninja either from that shoulder, shoulder tackle move, because the physical component has to land in order to hit, or the physical, it's a physical hit and it has to land in order to hate reset. So part of what I was talking, uh, I think I may have mentioned before in a previous podcast, is uh, about how broken Yonin is. And uh, the, what Yonin does to a ninja is it makes all of its Utsu semi-shadows effectively turn into foils where their hate doesn't decay. And uh, I, I don't have the write-up in front of me here, but I actually did a mathematical breakdown um, that I posted in the, the Lockstyle Discord, uh, where... I was um, reading that given today, actually. And, oh, were you? Um, the, uh, given the, the breakdown of the, uh, the cycle time for like using foil, for example... Um, Utsusemi actually generates more hate over over the over time um, than foil does uh, within the, the the same roughly the same active windows that, that you would recast foil. Um, but you're also getting the benefit of having Utsusemi shadows, and even if those shadows are being wiped, you're not losing any hate the entire time that goes on. Like Yonin literally stops your enemy from decaying, which is absolutely absurd. And, I mean, if you contrast this to the meta against Halfus or other NMs in this game, which I hate meta, it's a really stupid name. I mean, I think Seta is more appropriate, simplest effective <laughs> tactics available, because all people do is they take Halfus to the uh, 
it's not quite a rampart. There's a special tolet or whatever. It's some some weird French word for the wall itself up there within the you know. And they shoot with corsair and and ranger whatever. And you have to hope that hate doesn't get reset too bad in your tanks. That Halfus runs all the way up the wall at you. And it takes it takes a while. It takes you know. I'm not going to say times here, but it takes a while. I've watched Carrot do it with her link shell, and a lot of groups do that. They just pull, uh, for example, Bastok Wave Two, pull to the the depot ramp over there, approaching uh, uh, Markets slash uh, Korolaka Tunnel, and they just shoot at it from the ramp with uh, Rangers Corsairs, and they just kind of wait for that. That's not the most effective tactic. That's not even creative. It's just what can we do simply and repeat over and over again that gets us a win. We've geared enough. We're just going to beat our heads against it until our nose is bloody, and that's it. That's some really rough mechanics. Like I don't blame people coming up with strats that that use you know that implement range because nobody wants to be near these mobs, especially under fifty percent where their mechanics change. To be fair, like, if you were fighting in let's say full malignance on DDs like blue mage and stuff, or any any well DT job with the proper uh, bubbles for resistance and, and songs and stuff like that and weren't going full out and now I'm going to gear my DD as high as possible and then try and smash my fist. You know, if you actually geared somewhat defensively at 50% on Bestoke Boss, I mean, he doesn't kill people. He, he's not hard as long as you deal no. with the, the, the Petrify AoE and people aren't getting killed because they're fighting in DT gear. I mean, he's, he's really, I find it to be even faster and easier than just ranging him forever. I mean, it's not hard as long as you're prepared with buffs what petrify aoe i'm a ninja <laughs> that's magical it, 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 no it does not it gets absorbed by shadows <laughs> I, I can i can literally solo the wave two boss and bastok on ninja so it's not aoe it's aoe shadows which is something yep. only a ninja will generally find out because if you know a lot of aoe magic moves are usually more than three shadows you get sub ninja so you wouldn't actually know not always i mean there's exceptions but yeah uh, yeah, in fact, there was a, a pretty uh, famous situation when we were first learning how to get through Bastok as a link shell. Um, I was going ninja because they saw me break Halthus. Um, I went uh, to break this this NM, and uh, I was originally there just to be a damage dealer that, that wouldn't have to deal with the AoEs and stuff. And I actually ended up tanking the fight when everyone died because White Mage just got caught in the blast. Everyone died. Everyone was recovering in, in, in a corner. And I, I soloed, I basically soloed the mob from like 40% to like 10% before everyone else got up. And then we got everyone back in. We reapplied some stuff and called it a day. But my ninja was uh, not, not even my ninja. I'm just saying ninja in general uh, was never in danger of, of losing that fight to that mob. Okay. It just literally can't touch Ninja. And here we were talking about how Paladin's the most broken thing to bring to Diversion's Wave 3. We didn't mention Wave 2. <laughs> well, I've tanked stuff in Wave 3 on Ninja, and one of the things that, that does suck, because I have to play my own Devil's Advocate here, uh, there's a lot of uh, multi-hit weapon skills that these Voltian mobs will throw out that will not only eat multiple shadows, but your Megawari will proc on the first hit of. So they can still one-shot you as a Ninja. So there is still a downside to doing this. Uh, the balance of 11. Bring this for Wave 2, bring this for Wave 3, can't bring one for all. Yeah. But it, it's, a, it's an excellent analog to a Rune Fencer, though, um, especially in those situations where like maybe the Rune Fencer is going to get a break or even just be a durable DD um, during, the uh, during like say, a Wave 2 boss and just let the Ninja take over. And then in Wave 3, Ninja's still a durable DD, whereas the they basically flip roles. And uh, the Rune Fencer gets to be the, the tank again. 
And it actually works out really, really nicely, um, especially, you know, if accidents happen or like, let's say you have to deal with multiple mobs at once because, you know, X person didn't do something right. Uh, it, it, take, it takes a lot of the, uh, the panic and guesswork out of uh, situations that are suboptimal. So, I mean, a lot of people I imagine are going to have trouble holding hate on Ninja doing this, if, especially if they're new to it. So what is the best way to really, as you're fighting wave two boss and people are doing ridiculous yeah. weapon skills, how are you? Are you just still savage blading out or what are you doing? Yeah, I'm savage bleeding. Uh, so, um, so I actually don't have a Fudo Masamune yet. Uh, Masamune. I, I actually want to get one uh, because I think it may still hold the same kind of hate. And, I, and as I explain the process in which I, I tank Halthus, um, it's going to be a little more apparent why I'm unsure about Fudo. Um, but I actually just go regular DD for the first 50% of it. Uh, so um, up until we get to like 51%, I am just spamming Savage Blade and I'm usually Ninja Sub Rune Fencer in that run. So on top of just being Yonin full time while spamming these these very nice Savage Blades and still having the entity retention from all the U2 semi shadows that I'm casting versus him, um, I'm building a ton of hate and I'm not bleeding any hate whatsoever while this fight goes on. Um, so for the first fifty percent of him, that monk is doing anything they feel like. Um, uh, the uh, the guy who plays monk is a very good monk. Um, his name is uh, is Hayden. Um, he knows what to do. He's almost always the top of the parse. Um, the guy is like a broken robot, uh, but he's usually the monk that's paired up with me and he'll actually go monk sub ninja on these runs just to absorb some of the uh, AOE from Halthus uh, so that he doesn't get one shot, but uh, he'll actually just, just be doing as much damage as he possibly can. We won't have any defensive bubbles down. Um, it'll be like, uh, or, or we may have like a torpor. Well, that's not really defensive. So yeah, usually we'll have like a, like torpor and frailty on it because the geo no won't necessarily be in our party. Um, and, uh, we'll just do damage. And then the moment it hits 51%, I just turn around, I disengage and I basically just keep shadows and flash and I pretend like I'm a rune fencer. And that's enough to it's, keep it. It's that over. easy. I imagine the monks also using the proper for any aspiring monks since, I mean, these details are important for anyone who's trying to, you know, be the guy. I mean, I mean, they're probably running a proper subtle blow build. They're probably fighting in, yeah. you know, can do, you know, just so they don't get killed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, also, the ninja can still get killed. Like, the, the reason that I'm saying that we duo this is not for EPing or anything. You know, it's not to say that we're so awesome. We only need two people. Well, it's, it's actually awesome. a less is more sort of situation, right? Um, if we have more people in there, like, let's say we have, like, Corsairs and, and even Thieves and stuff like that. If we have all these people in there regardless of the subtle blow feeding TP to this mob, the mob is going to do a lot more uh, weapon skills back to back. And uh, there's a lot more room for situations where like maybe he'll spam three, uh, three TP moves that, that, that can wipe shadows along with his multi-attacks and stuff in a span where, you know, the nine seconds hasn't recovered for your next wheel of Uxus enemies. Yeah, because um, you run into a major regain. problem if that happens. All these wave two oh, yeah. already have regains. So, I mean, a subtle blow too, and everything on top of. It. I wonder. I mean, you could do mewing, but you don't need to really. The TP moves aren't such a problem at that point with two people. You actually have to worry about a summoner providing support. Yeah, well, less is more. Like they may, they may still just do weapon skills because of regain or anything like that, and you're still going to feed TP to them. Um, but the amount of TP you feed is 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 very critical, even in situations with regain. Like if if you have less of it coming in, then there's less headache everywhere else. And the monk is just the most efficient DD for that, uh, especially that fight in particular because they they have high native HP in case something goes wrong. 
Um, they have a defensive ability that uh, gets around his 50% mechanics where like he'll, he has an avoidance down aura. So normally you can't parry your shield blocking, but you can still counter. And uh, Monk, if they have to deal with that or if it turns for whatever reason or anything like that, Monk at least still has an extra defensive layer uh, where they can still absorb some hit. That HP and, uh, is, is really monumental too. So whether you're using oh yeah. Mantra or even inter- I mean, they have a lot of HP to work with there too, where a lot of jobs don't have that buffer. Yeah, yeah. And and uh as far as like TP feed to weapon skill damage, they're probably one of the most efficient ratios. Uh they may not TP the fastest. In fact, they kind of they kind of TP fairly slow. Um but Considering the TP they feed to the mob and the amount of damage they do with weapon skills, they're the best partner for a ninja when, when fighting this content. Because I can't help. Uh, the, so one of the things about Halfus is uh, if he uses his invincible, he re- he gains this awful reprisal effect where he's going to... Uh, or not reprisal. He, he gains this awful uh, counter rate where he will just straight up flatten you, even if you have shadow. Yep. And especially if it's he like has his attack buffs the, on. You rate it which ninja attacks. It's going to be raping you with the attack buffs, too, if they're on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You'll just get destroyed. Um, so that's why I have to turn. Like, I can only DPS for the first 50% of that fight, but that's all you really need. Uh, because, again, I don't I don't lose hate. And then the monk just kind of keeps going nuts, and these mobs don't have enough HP where the monk is going to reach any kind of uh, hate cap in a meaningful way that I won't be able to deal with it. Because if you look at a lot of other tanks, um, you may reach hate cap on another tank, but you'll also degrade enmity on those tanks too, so you're constantly fighting. Uh, Ninja just needs to maintain their VE once they're up there. Yeah, because your VE is always decaying, but if you're never taking damage and Yonin's up, uh, your CE is not moving, and you've built it up for the first half of the fight. So you can really, between Shadows, Shadows give you less CE than Foil does, but you get more VE with it, so that's even better because you're fighting that decay. Between Flash and your Shadows, you're well, beating that decay. Part of the misconception about that, and the reason I compare Foil to Utsu Semi Shadows, is you get three of them. You get three casts. And um, they, they actually share the same average recast amongst all of them that a single Foil would have. So that's why I say within the same interval uh, that, you're, that you're casting Foil, you're actually casting Utsu Semi three times. Um, you actually gain much more enmity over Utsu Semi recast than you do casting Foil. It's it's substantially more. That's fun. Yeah, let me see if I can pull the number real quick. I think it was like eleven. I think it was like eleven sixty or something for VE, and it was like six hundred or something for CE. Uh, let's see. So, foil enemy generation per cycle is two thousand twenty four VE seven thirty six CE. And then Utsu Semi Generation per cycle, and this is all three shadows, is 4320 VE and 1440 CE. Okay, I'm way off. It's, 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 literally, it's literally doubled. I just glanced at it. Maybe I was looking at something else that was per cast or something silly overall. It's in the, it's in the conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read through it. But uh, yeah, so I, so I talked about it for a while. And I mean, foil is not the only hate tool for Runefencer. Semi is not the only hate tool for for Ninja. But if we look at the most iconic things that these jobs are used for, and like the the first thing you think of when you think of Rune is like, hey, they got foil. Um, you'd be surprised how other jobs can manipulate these mechanics too. And and like I was saying before, I actually go sub Runefencer on Ninja for these fights so that I can also flash and so that I can also generate enmity with like uh, Valation and stuff. So outside of Divergence, which is obvious and we've talked about a lot, I mean, tanking Ambuscade on Ninja, any months stand out to you or anything you've done? Oh, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I have a really cool story from the uh, Dullahan Ambuscade, actually, uh, where we uh, our group likes to approach it with rangers because the fight's still pretty fast because we have really good rangers. But uh, I usually tank that on Ninja, and I actually tanked it with the Irradiance Blade, which is a level one greatsword. Um, I, I, I tanked the entire fight on Ninja without doing damage. Hey, just to see if you could. Yeah, just to see if I could. Uh, because why not? I mean, but yeah, as long as you, as long as you you have the skill on Ninja to to keep your shadows up and know how to maintain your timers and everything, um, you 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 really get rewarded by it. Um, but yeah, Ambuscade is one of the the, the events in general though where a Ninja is going to break those mechanics. Like the Ninja isn't going to die to the Dulahan uh, building up and doing its uh, painting, you know. And and yeah, so I was going to say is you know the Dulahan's good because it's two mobs. I mean, if it's the Soul Flare with the imps chasing it, you're like, Ninja can't handle crowd control like Rune and Power. Oh, no. Yeah, that, that's going to be the, the Achilles heel of any Ninja. But, I mean, even if you're a new player and your Ninja's not even, you know, it's a brand new Ninja, you should be able, honestly, to handle any Volume 2 and not, you know, if you can't get a good group because you're a Ninja, yeah. you should be able to gear yourself up to an Aglet and everything else. I mean, it may be a little slow in the start, but... I mean, you should be able to do the hardest volume too eventually. I mean, by yourself without any problem. Because there's usually only like, you know, sometimes there's ads in the volume too. And it's not the most efficient way to do it, but you're not at least, at least you're capable of doing it as a ninja, where you wouldn't be as other jobs if you're now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things. And Migawari, uh, along with Shadows, Migawari, if you don't know, um, absorbs lethal damage over a certain threshold. Um, it just basically makes nothing happen. Like you don't even take a fraction of that damage. It just hits you for zero. Um, and if you have a good recast set for it, um, you can cast that every 30 seconds. You know, we're due for the Meeple Burrow again soon, probably. So that one, there's some ads that pop out, but Ninja could probably tank that. Cause if you have him in the corner and he's silenced, yeah. you usually don't get, if your group's lucky, you usually get maybe one ad at the most. That would be a good one for Ninja to tank probably, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, especially if you're sub rune fencer, um, you actually have the the benefit of gaining Incartata, even though it's a lower amount. Um, and you can actually parry quite a bit on Ninja. Um, and if you pop uh, Issa Keegan, which is uh, one of the more obscure abilities from it, but basically it causes you to have a ridiculous parry rate that feels close to Batuta. Um, but what the, the way it's different than Batuta is that while you have this ridiculous parry rate, every time you parry, it's like provoking the mob. Uh, without any assistance, assuming your parry's flooring at 5%, uh, which is the floor for any job. If any yeah. job subbing Rune Fencer uh, will have a uh, 13, no, a, a 12% parry rate, regardless. So, yeah. And uh, like that's if it floors um, versus a lot of content at level 150, you absolutely will be. But uh, versus like Ambuscade stuff, which isn't 150, uh, I feel that, that I generally have a fairly good parry. Um, I don't, it doesn't seem like 12%. And I absolutely hate saying the things that I'm saying right now where it feels Eyeballing. like something. Oh, I hate that so much. Oh, um, but I just don't have a, a good parser to, uh, uh, I need to look it up. I need to find a good parser to find my actual parry rates and stuff because um, I know that it performs better than that, but I don't like the fact that I can't provide you with real data. Okay, kids out there, K-Parser, that's K-Parser, and the memlocks usually posted everywhere. You'll have to look on Auction House to find, but K-Parser for your parry rate. Yeah, I guess I'm some kind of noob. You can't get that with scoreboard. Yeah. Can't get a lot of things with scoreboard. 
I know. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I use scoreboard all the time. Yeah, but I don't like usually look up like extra tools or anything. It takes zero effort yeah. for scoreboard. K parser, you have to download it, runs in the background. You got to keep changing the memlock every update or else it doesn't work. You know, it's, it's work. Gross. There's even, there's still better parsers. We should maybe do an add ons thing one day for things you should use to take, you know, there's different parsers besides scoreboard. Scoreboard's just in Windower from the get go. You can just add it on. There's other parsers that help more. I don't know if you really want to make the same mistake as Egypt. <laughs> that's not that's, <laughs> that's not the mistake. But still, um, just be careful with your add-ons and stuff, guys. And uh, yeah, that's parsers pretty. are good. Parsers, and again, parsers don't exist for you know parse shaming people. Use it as a, a potential for growth and how to uh, figure out if you're where you need to be on your job. Um, you know, winning the parse is fun, but parsers actually are more beneficial when they're educational. You know what? Every time I'm in an ambuscade run with these people, and usually I win because it doesn't take much to beat these hotshot pickup people who think they're really good. And hey, when you you know join a pickup group, yeah, you're probably going to be better than most people that join. It's a pickup group. You know, people with real groups don't join those, or you know, whatever. Not getting into that, but they, whenever they post the parse, they'll post it. And even if I'm on top, or even if I'm second or third, or even if I wasn't even on it, who cares? The, the immediate response I do is to take scoreboard because it's always running in the background, even if I don't have it displayed, and just post the accuracy parse, and then post the weapon skill average parse, and then stuff like that. I never post the actual damage parse. I got gotcha. you. Uh, so I do post the damage parse for our group, and that's only because I like to make sure that the the DDs know where they stand. Uh, in comparison to other DDs, and that's only because the the builds themselves benefit from it. So, like if if we're trying to gear up players who insist on only coming DD to things and won't be flexible for the group, then I hold them to the standard that they need to be a DD that that performs as though we had a real DD in their place. And that sounds cold and awful, but I'm all about making sure it rains loot on people. Like it's going to sound super egocentric right now, but them being on a DD instead of a support makes it so that I'm not on a DD. And anyone who knows me knows I hate playing DD jobs. It's boring as hell. But my parse is very strong, and I will do that for a group. I will go in and be a DD for a group to make sure that we can clear the content and we have the right kill speed. But I don't like to. And if they're going to shortchange our group like that and only come as DD jobs and refuse to help by being well-faceted, then... You know, I'm going to make sure they know that they are not performing up to standard. No, you know what's boring? Geo. You put your bubble down, you put your <laughs> indie up, and then what else can you really do? There's not much else. I mean, they got what you need, so, I mean, just do the AFK. But no, my point about the parser thing is, if someone posts they won, great, it says you won. If I post the accuracy and the number two guy wasn't capping accuracy and he would have beaten you, you didn't win. You just had someone yep. who wasn't buffed enough to beat you. If I post the weapon skill average and your weapon skills you're doing more frequently and they're doing less damage and this and that or versus the other person, that's going to show you, hey, you're not just winning because you're super cool. There's other factors yep. involved here. You know, so I don't post the winning parts. I post some of the details behind it. It's not all of them, but, you know, there's more there than, oh, look, I won. No, you didn't. It doesn't care. And, and that's a learning experience for that DD, too. Like, they, they, may, they may not know that they aren't at cap on accuracy. It may seem like it or it may feel like it, you know, that shit that I hate. But uh, once they find out that their accuracy isn't actually there, then it, by improving it like that means that I'm improving the overall DPS for the crew. You don't sound so, like someone that hates feelings, yeah. Fox. Right. Uh, and then also another thing that I look at is um, if you are one-shotting a mob, you don't need to do cap damage to do that, especially in Divergence. Like You only need 50 to 60k damage. 
So one thing that I'll look at also is that weapon skill frequency. Um, if you if you're just using scoreboard, for example, you can see the uh, when you put out weapon skill average whether or not a DD is is one shotting mobs, and you get to see at what frequency that that's the case. Um, just because a DD is hitting cap damage doesn't mean that they're actually benefiting the group more than the person who is not hitting cap damage, but has done way more weapon skills that that do take help. Um, that's the thing too why part of why corsairs win if everything's loaded in your first hit of savage blade if everything's in your damage and loud and salute and you're overkilling the mob of course you're winning the parse you're not actually winning uh, the parse you're just overkilling hp that's phantom parse that's another misconception too you know not to make this run too long but corsairs don't win the parse they just look like they do and that's why everyone thinks i know corsairs i know the they look like thing. they do and meanwhile i'm sure essie looks at that and they go yeah but they're not and they're not the best and we know they're not because I mean, Essie doesn't know too much, but yeah, the um, there there's some there's some factors in there that can cause uh, jobs like Corsair not to win, and um, a lot of that is is their responsibilities um, for being the job that has to take out the statues and stuff. Uh, sometimes they have to play suboptimally; they don't get to be a DD that just engages the next mob and immediately tries to kill it. Um, they have to actually play a bit more responsibly when they're not a bad Corsair. Oh, they're supposed and, uh, to. That can affect their bars. Yeah, they're supposed to. Okay, but uh, do you want to just shoot the breeze at this point? Because we we've run over quite a bit at this point. Yeah, I know. I've got that uh, that group trying to get me to go home and do. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you don't want to do a like 39 minute, you know, dog and win. <laughs> they they do more than one run. I'm sure they'll. Ooh, that's going to be the whole <laughs> Yeah. So I have mean, some thoughts. We haven't actually posted the podcast yet. This is our third episode. Yay, big number three, three Pete. Uh, we still have a couple of things that we have to do. I mean, you have to finish the art because that's your job now, sucker. You're stuck with it. <laughs> I have to find an intro song that doesn't suck as much as everything else I put out. And then, Did you at least play around with that AI thing? I, I never got back into it because I kept saying they were down for maintenance and then I just never went back into it because the other day I got busy writing something that I've been writing since July or whatever. Some, you know... A diatribe, wow. if you will, uh, you know things like that, and I, I, I'm going to get into that and finish it. I mean, especially if I'm the last thing holding it up. So we'll release the first two episodes, especially the second, because oh god, I bet the first is terrible. It's just us talking, which so is this, but that oh. one, that one was just like nostalgia talking. We actually talked about well, you did because you're informed. I'm just the middleman, as I tell there, everyone. There's there's no actual substance to uh, podcast one. Uh, I haven't listened to it. I'm not that narcissistic, egocentrical. You know? Just just put it on repeat while you go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Amelie du Fromage. ASMR. Speaking of, where is Rue at? I need to listen to him. There you go. I never actually watch his videos anyway. I mean, not nothing against him. I just, I don't, his voice is, you know, velvet, but I don't, that's it. I don't know. I'm not into a lot of things. I... Uh, I'll actually look up his channel every once in a while because I want to see what the community is consuming. Um, like I said before, I don't really have any problems with what he has to say about how things work. Like they're, they're all, they're all pretty accurate actually. Um, but I want to, I want to make sure that, you know, there, there isn't just info that's completely cringy. Um, he, he does his homework. I, I wanna, I've never, I've never found him to be inaccurate either, but. I'm just afraid. 
Um, so one of the things that he's going to be putting out soon is a, uh, at least from what he's alluded to is a, a Beastmaster guide. And, uh, one of the things I haven't talked about on this channel is I am an insane Beastmaster. Um, I am, I absolutely love the job and I'm actually the person who inspired him to even be a Beastmaster to begin with. And, and uh, you know, I'm not saying that he need, he should reach out to me or anything like that. I'm not that conceited, but I just want to make sure that that when this inf- these kinds of informations get put out, and he's a prolific figure that a lot of people listen to, that it's not just directed at what the meta is. You know, like I, I want to make sure that that people understand what this job can do, so that more people can experiment with the job and we can do cooler things with it because it has a huge amount of potential. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned to you before he he gave you a shout out specifically for Beastmaster and. You know, yeah, I didn't know you were insane. Is episode four going to be Beastmaster? I I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Beast has a lot to cover, and you know, we can't just only talk about the stuff that you know I do on a daily basis. Uh, I never want to talk about myself. Not because I'm shy. I'm obviously not shy, or at least not. You know, I, I say whatever I mean or what I want to say. So, but uh, you know, I'm not. I don't see myself as special. I'd be like. I'm a blue mage. It's fuck blue mage. I do love blue mage. Yeah. Anyone listening, fuck blue mage, but I love blue mage. Yeah, it's it's right. It's it's really about doing the stuff in this game that's that's like fun and interesting. I, I never really understood the people who you know gear chase towards the being the super coolest end game guy ever. Um, that that's just basically hitting subscribe on your weapon skill macro until you know your fingers bleed. Like, who really cares about that? Like, when, when you approach this game, this game has so much, like, depth to it in how you can gear yourself and how you can approach content that a lot of the fun can be from the most suboptimal strategies where you're just trying to make something work because you can. Okay, let's say we end this in five minutes and we have a hard stop of an hour and a half, so we're cool. Um, Fair. Yeah, the game does have a lot of depth in it. And that's, you know, I think not only the problem with racing to the end, sure, Everyone wants to jump into the deep end, straight, you know, straight, you know, straight out of the gate. You want to you want to play with what everyone else is, and a lot of people are at end game, so you want to go where the people are. So you race to it, and you, I mean, leveling doesn't take but a day or two. I mean, if you're going to play the game for weeks, months, years, do you want to miss that day? Do you really? I mean, maybe you don't level the whole way, and you're going to get some PL action there, but do you really not want to run through zones you're not going to be in? I mean, you're going to be leveling up out of these camps that you go to in the uh, XP guide on BG. You're not going to be there too long. I mean, do you want to miss that? I mean, it is the game after all. You are paying to experience that, and you're not going to experience it otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to circle back into the nostalgia video or anything, but there are some aspects of the climb that can be fun, um, but not if you, you know, treat it like it's some sort of, like, dredge through hell. Yeah, it's not a chore. I mean, if you don't enjoy leveling in this game, I mean, yeah, okay, you're not going to enjoy leveling all your job points at once. That's a grind. It's The whole point is you're not supposed to do it at once. I mean, you can grind for certain milestones. Go for 100. Okay, hit 100. There you go. There's a big one for a lot of jobs, especially Blue Mage. There you go. Okay, you don't just run to 2100 from start. I mean, my Thief's only 1200 now, and I've been, I mean, I think I went from... 600-ish to 1,200 just by soloing Omen in my spare time, going to Divergence a few times. Yeah. I mean, I don't need... Once I got the second dual build trait, which is 500, 550, whatever, I didn't need to grind to 20... I mean, there's benefits to going further. I get triple attack, I get everything else, accuracy, etc. That helps a lot, but 
I had the gear on Thief already because I worked on it. Uh, you know, I didn't need to be 100 to go do the top end content and still do very well in the parse. I'm not aiming for 100. I mean, top. I'm not aiming for number one. I'm aiming to make sure I can have fun and earn yep. the spot I'm in. That's the whole point. You don't have to be the best. You just have to be able to succeed in the role you're trying to put yourself into, not just jump into it. And I see a lot of paladins. I'll use paladins as an example too, where they'll buy the JP because you know being in a CP party on paladin is is just actually excruciating. Like you're doing nothing for the group really, unless you're like helping with AOE polls and stuff. Like that's a different story. But uh, the way that I JP paladin, and I'm only 1200, but I've tanked in wave three. Um, is I CP at an ambuscade. It's fantastic. You you get CP, you get to learn how the job tanks in different situations, and you're actually benefiting the group in doing so. And, you know, a lot of people trying to pick up jobs and thinking that they have to buy JP or anything like that. Like, just, just go do ambuscade on those jobs. You'd be surprised how much you pick up. JP is going to be necessary when you're a summoner trying to cheese things, but the game isn't <laughs> supposed to be cheese. So, of course, it's going to be you have to have this. You're trying to cheese something. But I remember when Water of Courage was new content and, uh, well, newer. I mean, well, actually, yeah, I was still doing Black Mage Burn at that point as just a rune fencer that was brand new without capped enhancing. So my phalanx was weak without capped divine, without, you know, even many job points. I was out there on rune with just a tier tanking Water of Courage without, I mean, maybe I'm a bit. Uh, bias because Carrot was my white mage and Carrot Chan is like the greatest white mage I ever met and she was really on the ball keeping me alive but it wasn't you know nearly insurmountable or even a struggle to go tank Water of Courage as a rune fencer without job points without I mean Apple Tree helps a lot but you didn't need it it became more of a yeah. I have to focus more I can't just relax as much but I mean it's you can do it you don't need to do these things these things came after the content uh, R15 weapons came after the content. Cap job points came after Water of Courage. Did it? Did, I think cap job points did come after Water of Courage. I think so. Yeah. I mean, these things came after. They're just to make it even. I mean, you're pushing your character. I mean, it wasn't a struggle. I mean, it was a struggle when he was new. But once you understood it, you didn't need cap job points to go and even steamroll them with the proper jobs and buffs and nailing them down or anything with, with you know, carols on. I mean, I think everyone takes everything to the extreme and thinks they have to be something. I agree. I agree completely. And and the tank jobs really suffer in that aspect, too. Yeah, they do. And tank jobs, I think, are easier to get into, but we're at our hard cutoff. Fair enough. So next time, episode four, Fox will have his brick oven mic finally, and that'll be the last uh, thing I think we really need. So Fox's voice will be the best it's ever been next time. It'll bring all the, the ladies back. So uh, cherish the OG uh, sounds and flavors of my voice. I wasn't sure if I wanted to say ladies, because that's why I hesitated there, but I couldn't think of anything better. So now you're a ladies man, Fox. Oh, yeah. Big Daddy Fox. Fox and ain't easy. <laughs> you know it. Anyway, that was fun, Fox. I enjoyed doing this with you. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. Oh, and since this will, I mean, well, this will be up a week after. If we, let's say from the record date, hopefully this is up within two weeks or so of the record date. Now that it's actually up, we can speak to the people. If anyone wants to send, uh, you know, messages or whatever, we have a Discord. We'll put it in the description. You can join the Discord and ask. I don't think I want to give out our, you know, Vanadeal Gmail account. I don't think we need to take emails, but no. eh, whatever. You know, we also have a YouTube thing. Yeah, we're going to put this on too. So I'm sure we'll get stuff there, maybe comments there. And uh, we can probably start involving 
questions from people that they ask or this or that. And actually, so just talking about stuff, we can probably actually answer specific mechanical questions that we're talking about, but someone was kind of hung up on one part or something. Because I'm sure lost in the mix there, there's been more than one thing people were confused about. Oh, yeah. And like as much as I can drone on about a topic, like I'll never be able to hit all facets of it. And not all facets of it will ever apply to the person listening. Uh, so, yeah, if we can get people to, to ask questions and stuff, I'm sure that we can put our heads together and, and try to come up with at least a decent answer for it. I have an empty head, so if you clank against my head, it's going to make a lot of thump like a coconut. That is, that is, that's pretty special, man. <laughs> uh, okay, let, let's end it there. <laughs>